life, and politics with Republican leanings. Welcome to Famila and Friends, the show that mutes the sound bites and noise pollution to bring you the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear. Hosted by nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Famila and her team of friends tell it like it is, and no topic is off the table. Get ready to cut through the clutter. Now here's your host of Famila and Friends, Famila Ramos, on The Answer San Diego. Good evening and welcome to another installment of Pamela and Friends. I'm your host, Pamela Ramos, coming to you from sunny San Diego with a Christmas. few of my very good friends, Kalina and Wise. Hello, 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 friends. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, hello, hello. Kalina O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. My name is Wise Kahani. Well, welcome back, Kalina, and welcome to Family and Friends, Wise. Thank you so much for filling in on such welcome. short notice. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> also in the studio with us, engineering all the magic that is Family and Friends, is our very own hottie toddy producer, Todd. Yeah, keep that hottie toddy hot. <laughs> yes. Give it up for producer Todd. Yay, yeah. producer Todd. <laughs> so first off, I want to know, how how's your week? You know, it's it's pretty good. I heard that we were going back into a lockdown or a shutdown again. Mm-hmm. So I got scared, but it seems like nothing has changed. So I'm <laughs> a little confused. <laughs> nothing. Yet. Absolutely nothing. Not yet. Yeah. We'll see. So I probably just cursed it. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> dun, so dun, other dun. than that, you know, it's been good. Hanging out with the kids. Mm-hmm. Beach time. And that was good. Yeah. More family time. About the same family time. Trying to stay healthy and active quarantining, doing the best I can. Good. Good. Good for you. Well, my my week was um, hectic again, you know, being a mother of four, you know, yeah. <laughs> with one ready to leave for college. That's right. And are they actually having class? They are. I was surprised. What school? Um, uh, Kalamazoo in Michigan. Um, he's getting ready for that. He's super excited. I'm super proud of him. That's great. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. But the rest of my three are going to be stuck at home until, know. you know. Yeah, until, until his majesty <laughs> tells them that they can go back to school. My kids are really bummed. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, so guess what? I'm excited. Why? Cut to the chase and tell us, please. It's our 10th episode. Woo, that's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. You know, I still remember putting together the demo for the radio station like like it was yesterday, and I really had no clue to, um, where to begin. You know, I just went with it, and kind of like now, I just go with it every week. You know, <laughs> praise Jesus, it all works out. I mean, I remember when you texted me and asked if I wanted to participate, and I was like, "What? this is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, this just goes to show what an amazing country this is. Where else in the world can you wake up one day and say, I wonder what it's like to be on the radio, and then boom, you're on it. <laughs> and, to, and to be honest, at the time, I didn't even know if I really wanted to be on the radio, and, and how that idea even got in my head. It's crazy. Once an idea takes hold of the brain, it's an impossible to eradicate. You know, that sounds like a line from Inception. You know, I've always liked the line, terrible ideas. Don't you just love those? Well, I like the line, no fear. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, speaking of no fear, someone once said, always speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. There's a lot going on right now in this country and even in our in whole entire world, ungodly, unholy things, unspeakable things. And I'm talking about slavery. Wasn't slavery abolished about 150 years ago? I mean, there are more people enslaved today than any other time in the history of the world, even when slavery was legal. That's true. Yeah. Slavery does still exist in the most despicable way ever in the form of sex slavery. So the topic we're going to conquer tonight is sex trafficking, which is the sexual exploitation and or forced labor of men, women, and children. It's a violation of basic human rights and a crime as defined by U.S. federal law and California state law. According to the California Attorney General's Office, human trafficking is among the world's fastest growing criminal enterprises and is an estimated $150 billion year global industry. It's a form of modern-day slavery that profits from the exploitation of the most vulnerable populations. It involves controlling a person or group through forced fraud or coercion to exploit the victims for forced labor, sexual exploitation, or both. Human trafficking strips victims of their freedoms and violates our nation's promise that every person in the United States is guaranteed basic human rights. I mean, it's a tough topic we do need to discuss. It's definitely out there, and we all need to open up our eyes and do something about it. Like, mm-hmm. protect our kids, save the children. Mm-hmm. It's sickening. It is. What kind of world are we creating for the future generations? Mm-hmm. The problems, the horrors of problems run deep and is sadly connected to powerful people. There's a lot of money in this. I know that sex trafficking is one of the biggest businesses and criminal businesses in the world. Mm. You know, while it's sad that um, children are being targeted, let's not forget that it can happen to anyone. I mean, I read somewhere that 17,500 women and children are trafficked into the U.S. every year. This crime is an insult to God. It's incredibly sad and wrong that human beings have their free will taken away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
during my during the campaign trail, I um, I held a a rally to raise awareness for sex trafficking. You know, which is a huge problem in our backyard, especially since we're so close to the border. Yeah. I mean, each year, sex trafficking generates approximately eight hundred and ten million dollars in San Diego County alone, and there are between nine thousand to twelve thousand victims of human trafficking trafficking in the in the county, and many of these victims are children. Mm. And, you know, thankfully, we are blessed to have people like San Diego District Attorney Summer Stephan, who is leading the fight against sex trafficking and making it a top priority for our local law enforcement. Last year, Stephan's office launched the San Diego Trafficking Prevention Co- Collective, which created a curriculum to help children learn the warning signs of someone trying to solicit or exploit them online. And sadly, I don't know if you guys know this, but because of, you know, the whole coronavirus pandemic, the incidence of sex trafficking has escalated simply because of the increased usage of social media by minors. I mean, that's scary, but it makes total sense. These days, younger kids are always on the phone and they're more susceptible to predators. There's all those social media platforms we need to monitor, like Mm -hmm. TikTok, Instagram. I mean, my oldest son, Mason, he's on all of them, like all of them. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a little crazy. It is crazy. It's scary, too. Yeah. You know, consequently, there have been um, 12 rescues made between uh, March and May of this year by our local law enforcement. I mean, isn't that a good thing? You know, yes and no. I mean, that number has doubled when compared to the same months from last year. Not a coincidence. The pandemic has caused so much trouble. Yes, it has. And we'll hear more from Summer Stefan and the problems we have with sex trafficking. You know, it really disgusts me that anyone would exploit and even profit from the sexual exploitation of children, women, and even men. I've mm-hmm. heard stories that the youngest victims range from three to five years old, guys. Well, actually, Jacob Boyens, who is another voice against this problem, stated that the youngest victim rescued from sex trafficking was only two years old. Oof, two. That's brutal. It is. Um, this specific two-year-old was raped by 34 different men over a 36-day period. I mean, it's hard to fathom and even hear about these autocracies, but it's something we need to know about no matter how hard it is here so that we can band together and help end it. I mean, it is really difficult to hear. As a mother, as a woman, mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I know we all do. We want to protect right. these kids. They're so little. They're innocent. They're beautiful. Yes. And it, it's terrifying to think that maybe we can't protect them, that we have to, there's these bad people out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's no humanity in this. It's pure evil. It makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And, and people have even said to Boyens regarding the issue of child um, human trafficking, I don't want to know because it's too disturbing. And to that, I just say, why wouldn't you want to know the truth? I mean, his reply to them was, you don't get to do that. It's children. Yeah. So basically, stop your whining. We have issues here. Get over and open your eyes. And do something. Yeah. Do something. Good exactly. point. Yeah, do yeah. something. <laughs> and Boynes is the founder of Share Together, a nonprofit organization fighting against the global crisis of sex trafficking. He also directed and produced the movie Eight Days, which was made to expose the reality of sex trafficking in the United States. Makes me wonder what kind of people would do this. Are they mentally ill? Are they criminals? Or are they just evil? Mm. Well, our second guest might have some insight on that. Dr. Erin Firma is a clinical and forensic psychologist who conducts evaluations for the courts and attorneys. She has a bachelor's of psychology from SDSU and received both her master's and PhD in clinical psychology from the California School of Professional Psychology. Interesting. I can't wait to hear what she has to say about these criminals. I mean, usually when you hear the word sex trafficking, you think women, but it's not just women. This type of evil doesn't care about your gender, your age, nothing. No, definitely. I, sh- I saw a short documentary fe- featuring uh, Richard Kerr, one of the victims from the Kinkora VIP pedophilia ring. Okay, so the Kinkora Boys Home was a foster care facility in uh, Northern Ireland that allegedly covered up the abuse of children in their care. I mean, these boys were sexually abused and trafficked in gay brothels by powerful men, including politicians. It was a huge scandal in the 80s with allegations of state collusion. It was difficult for me to watch and listen to this man's stories who referred to himself as a throwaway. I mean, no one should ever feel like a throwaway. Oh, that's so tragic. Nobody's a throwaway. Throughout the video, his eyes were vacant. He appeared soulless, haunted, and broken. I was crying for this man. I really was. He suffered from depression, PTSD, and he wasn't even functional. And to, and, and, uh, and to think these types of rings could exist all over the world, and we just don't know about it. So many children disappear. I mean, look at the whole Epstein scandal, Pizzagate, um, or Adrenochrome. I really don't think these are just conspiracy theories. Uh, You know, it's disgusting. This whole thing is suggesting to me that there are many rich people working together. Epstein is just the tip of the iceberg. Think about this. Hotel brands owned by Hilton, Intercontinental, and Best Western are among a number of leading global chains accused of profiting from sex trafficking. It was said that these industries failed to protect these abused women and children. You know, yeah, yeah, that's so so true. I heard that too. And, and, um, you know, these aren't conspiracy theories. This is what... 
you know, they, they call the truth when it's exposed, right? <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, I just hope that Maxwell survives so that she can expose and bring to light the evils coming from the top layers of society. I mean, we all know that everyone on Epstein's flight log will answer sooner or later, if not to God, if not now, then to God. But I really hope they answer now and then again when they die. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And now Wayfair is allegedly trafficking children in overpriced storage units. I mean, come on. The description of the cabinets were named after missing children. Call me crazy. Call me a conspiracy theorist. But I'm never buying anything off that site again. It's disgusting. I mean, I'm with you on that one. It's not only that. It's the same with their pillows, their curtains and other items. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to read the statement from Wearfare. There is, of course, no truth to these claims. The products in question are industrial grade cabinets that are accurately priced. The supplier did not accurately explain the high price point and we have temporarily removed the products from their site. Doesn't explain the oversized pillows or shower curtains. I even saw their cabinets named Rashid. Come on now. (laughs) I know that's terrible. It's terrible. You know, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go to another story of a child that was trafficked in Mexico, where sex trafficking is a huge problem. You know, Carla Jacinto is a sex trafficking survivor and an international activist. She was exploited from the age of five and prostituted from the ages of 12 to 16. According to her, bi- her biography, she was lured from poverty by a man who befriended her with sweets and a story. Mm. So, during these years, she was raped by 30 to 40 men a day for a total of over 42,000 times. I mean, she shares her story in hopes to fight human trafficking and help other victims recover from fear, depression, and PTSD associated with this trauma. Back in um, 2016, she spoke before Congress, helping pass the International Megan's Law, which says that foreign governments will be notified when a U.S. citizen who is a registered sex offender in a crime involving a minor will be traveling to the country or their country. And she believes that by fighting together, we can eliminate this huge problem. You know, well, God bless her for her courage, especially after everything that poor girl went through. Yeah, and and God bless our next guest for tackling uh, this growing problem in our city. We'll be back with San Diego District Attorney Summer Stephan. So we have, what do you think the appropriate punishment for sex traffickers should be? Oh, you want my real answer? It's not going to be politically correct. Real answer. Okay. I think that they should be thrown in with a bunch of meanies like me, a bunch of parents. We can have their way with them, and then we'll put them in general general population in prison and let them have their way with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. How about you, Wise? Yeah, Throw away the key. I'm thinking chemically castrated. Ooh. There you go. There you go. (laughs) More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back to Family and Friends. And um, on the line with us is uh, San Diego District Attorney Summer Stephan. Thank you for b- taking time out to be here with us, Summer. Thank you, Summer. Great to be with Welcome. you, Family and Friends. <laughs> it's an honor to have you. I mean, your accomplishments are extensive, ranging from government training at Harvard to receiving FBI commendations for cracking down on organized crime to teaching leadership courses. It seems like one of the closest issues to your heart is sex trafficking. Could you tell us about um, your history and your background that led you to become a champion in this area? Well, um, crime is it really hurts people. Safety is so important, but human trafficking is one of those things that hits at the heart of our children, women, and families. It's a deprivation of rights. It's a dehumanization of children being sold. And so, you know, anyone with a heart is going to care about it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it became a priority issue and something that we had to fight for. Of course. Great. So between 2005 and 2008, you were the chief of the San Diego DA's Sex Crimes and Human Trafficking Division. Can you tell us a little bit about the division and the excellent work that you led there? Yes, that was one of the dream things I got to do at the DA's office as I pioneered the Sex Crimes and Human Trafficking Division. It was uh, the first of its kind in San Diego, but also became a model for the country. In fact, um, a New York Times article compared the division to the as the real-life version of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. That's awesome. It is. So it's pretty pretty incredible. Thanks to the great team there. Is sex trafficking a political issue or is it one of those things where it's safe to say it's people who work across all political aisles? 
Thankfully, it is one where we've had great success changing laws, strengthening laws, uh, working across the aisle. The latest and biggest accomplishment was being able to take down Backpage by changing the ability of social media platforms and not allowing them to host uh, websites that allow the sale of kids for sex. And so that was a unanimous thing that happened across the aisle, and I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Are there other, awesome. um, other, other things like Backpage, any other... Uh, platforms like that that still exist? There are platforms like it. They pop up because this is such a lucrative industry. It's It produces billions of dollars around the world. So they're going to come up with other mechanisms, but nothing as organized and as prolific as Backpage has popped up. There's like dating services that sort of um, pose as dating services when we know they're actually sex trafficking rings. But uh, again, taking down Backpage was a huge accomplishment and it put a dent in the industry. Right. Okay. So what do you think makes people victims to sex trafficking? Like, is there a victim mentality that you see or are all the people different? Victims are are different, but yet they have a similarity, and that is in vulnerability. So normally we think of vulnerability as being something like a socioeconomic issue, poverty, or uh, coming from a foster care family. But a vulnerability can also be like a learning disability Mm. or a teenager feeling uh, depressed, feeling alone, feeling unloved, Uh, these things that most teenagers face. And and that's why uh, the social media has allowed access to our kids. So whenever they're putting online that they're feeling bad about something, Mm -hmm. they're not liking their parents, they're feeling ostracized by their friends, that's an opportunity for predators to come in and take advantage of that vulnerability. That's terrifying. That makes sense, though. No one wants to be a continual victim. How do predators force the victims to continue working for them? That's a question that we get that, you know, why isn't this victim running away? She has a phone. She often is left with a phone. But the reason is that these uh, predators are really master manipulators. And at the end of the day, they use threats. They use coercion. They use exposing pictures that are compromising naked photos of these kids to their friends and families. Mm. But they also get held in place by their own shame. They feel like they did something shameful and that no one is going to really accept them. So that's why it's really important to break down who's the guilty party and it's Mm -hmm. not these kids. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that politicians need to alter existing laws or are the existing laws too lenient? Or or do you think that there is not enough um, in the budget to enforce these laws? We can do more to strengthen laws. We've been fighting for that every every day. But the laws that are really weak are on the buyer side. Mm. Uh, on the buyer side, it's less than um, you know a traffic ticket in terms of fines. It's it's less than what a DUI is, and that's a big problem. Yeah, that it has is. to change. Yes. Uh, So there was a Department of Justice study in which there were estimated to be approximately 8,000 victims of sex trafficking in San Diego. Where are they all? Like, are they hidden in plain sight? They are hidden in plain sight. These are our kids. The study that came from Point Loma, Nazarene, and USD was pretty shocking, even for people who've been working in this area for a long time. And we discovered that in sex trafficking, there's uh, somewhere... Uh, around 8,000 victims on the outside, an average of 5,000 a year. But the most compelling statistic is that the age of entry, the the age average is 16 years old. That means that there are victims who are younger, 13, 14, 15, and some that are older. Mm. And that is a quite despicable fact. So as parents, what can we do to help? How can we help? Well, as parents, it's about knowledge. Knowledge is power. It's noticing those signs 
of isolation, of a disinterest in sports or in things that the kid was interested in before, having frank conversations about just because your media device says this is a friend, it doesn't mean they're a friend. They could be a 40-year-old creating an image as if they're a 12-year-old and befriending our children. And so it's very, very important, especially during this COVID time, because kids aren't in school and we are seeing a triple effect of internet crimes against children because they're spending more time on their mm-hmm. tablets. So go to sandiegoda.com where there's a ton of tips on how parents can protect their kids and be better informed. Great. Thank okay. you. When Backpage thank you. Was, when Backpage was shut down, did that occur at a federal level? Did it have an impact? Have other things like Babcage popped up? Yes, Backpage is, was covered under a federal law that protected First Amendment speech. That's how they hid. So it had to be changed at the federal level where it, they couldn't hide anymore behind the freedom of speech because that doesn't allow you to make your platform available to sell kids like they're a piece of pizza. Yeah, so that's not freedom of speech. Not, not acceptable, right. You know, are there people that um, that support sex trafficking that openly are, are stopping your efforts? Yes, uh, and and you know these are mostly the traffickers and the buyers. But what they've done is they've disguised themselves as advocates for the victims, for the prostituted persons. So what they are advocating for is to legalize all. Uh, prostitution, buying, forming brothels, and sex trafficking under the guise that that somehow is going to protect our kids. And of course it isn't, because if it's legalized, then they can continue to victimize, and we would have no power to recover these children and hold the offenders accountable. Mm. But they are, like I said, they're master manipulators, and they are using the media to put out misinformation about how if you just legalize it, everything is going to be okay. And that is a failed experiment around the world and in this country. Okay. So, Summer, kind of going back to what you just said, is there something that businesses can do to help stop sex trafficking? Like what can hotels, adult entertainment venues, and even any other businesses do to help? You know, having the knowledge, learning the red flags, learning the red flags of if you have an older person with a young person, that person is not speaking for themselves. They're not coming out of the room. They have a do not disturb sign. They it, Time after time, you see foot traffic, all of those things. You see somebody that doesn't have a suitcase. They're with somebody else, but they have their belongings in a plastic bag. Those are all red flags. And we We've been teaching hotels and motels, transportation industries about those red flags, and they've helped us recover and rescue uh, victims. And so the knowledge is very, very important. Good. It's getting out there. Yeah. You know, are there any private organizations that you guys team up with to combat this problem? Yes, uh, partnerships are very important, and we've teamed up from with everyone from business like UBS, one of the largest investors of wealth in the world, uh, to nonprofits uh, that we work with on helping to recover victims, to provide them shelter, to provide them, because when we recover them, they have nothing. They don't have a penny to their name. All of the $810 million that the traffickers get, they don't get any of it. They just get a sandwich if they're lucky. Mm. And so this is why it's really important that we work with these organizations that provide refuge, that provide trauma care to help the victim rebuild their lives. That's great. You know, we have a few moments left. Um, Any last words that you can um, give us to to help? How can we? Yeah, how can we help? Yes. Well, I would say that this is all our issue, that that there is no family that's immune. So we have to empower ourselves by realizing that this isn't someone else's child, someone else's problem. It's our children. We need to learn about it. We need to talk about it. And we need to together stop it. Well, thank you so much, Summer Stefan. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. An honor having you on the show. It's, it's great talking with you, and thank you for covering this important topic. Yeah, it's something that we all need to yeah. know about and hear Definitely. and fight. Yes, let's fight together. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes, please stay tuned okay. for Dr. Aaron Firma. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back to Family and Friends. Joining us tonight is clinical psychologist Dr. Aaron Firma. Dr. Firma, it is an honor to have you on the show. Please tell us a little bit about Hi. yourself. Hi. Oh, welcome. Hi. Thank, thank you for welcome. having me. Of course. Um, thank you so much. Um, tell me or tell you about myself. I am a clinical and forensic, forensic psychologist. I have um, a doctorate in clinical psychology, and I use my clinical experience um, for the last 14 years um, within the criminal justice system, specializing in sex offenses, sex offenders, and trauma, among other things. So what is it like dealing with criminals? Is it scary? I mean, have you ever felt threatened? Um, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, because it would seem it would seem that it would be scary yeah. um, for me. For me, with I think because of my clinical experience and my clinical training, I, I I handle them in a different way or I approach them in a different way. Because I'm I'm one of the ones that would go into the jails and the prisons and see, um, you know, the accused and the convicted. Wow. Um, I've never I've never, but for a few times, never felt scared or threatened. And uh, the, the few times that I have have been, ex, you know, there's there've been extenuating circumstances. Oh. Um, but for, but for the most part, um, I'm actually really comfortable um, with my job and, and doing and doing, you know, doing my work with with these with the criminals and Good with, for the, you. with these I know. That's definitely. Great. I commend you on protecting those with who have mental disorders. Do you believe in in some cases mental disorders may have demonic possessions? Ah, that is, um, that's an, that's an interesting question and a really, really good one. Um, so in my, in my field and here in, in the U S we use the diagnostic and statistical manual for mental disorders. So the DSM, we've probably all heard of it, um, to, to diagnose and, and to, um, you know, kind of figure out what is, what is going on clinically with, with, you know, people who present with different types of, um, symptoms. And um, we actually speak in the DSM to two different cultural views. So it's more a matter of culture um, as opposed to, you know, the, a difference in necessarily symptoms. So, for example, in Africa or Indonesia or um, other cultures, we see the same symptoms, but we, we treat them differently. So, like, for example, in Africa, there are shamans or witch doctors, you know, who see who see people who um, present, say, say, with the same symptoms that we would see here of, like, psychosis. Mm -hmm. But for them, so it's not so much that it's different presentations. It's different. It's, it's the way that we deal with the presentations. So for them, they would be, they would be considered demonic or they would be considered um, mm -hmm. possessed. And yeah. the, the DSM actually talks about different cultural viewpoints of the same types of symptoms. So you have a lot of experience on evaluating people with a variety of different personality disorders. In your opinion, does a unique personality change into a deviant personality? Like, for example, some parents see mild autism as a gift. How do we decide as a society the difference between someone being different to someone being pathological? As you know, homosexuality was in the DSM-1, in which it was classified under paraphilia, and DSM-2 under sexual orientation disturbance. DSM-3 further modified this to ego dystonic homosexuality. Right. And now, and now homosexuality is not even in the DSM. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it's just not considered to be pathological. Um, and the reason for that is because um, in answer, you know, in a broader answer to your question, um, the, the way that we determine, you know, the differences between, you know, say a gift versus, you know, deviancy or pathology is through evidence-based practice through research. So, you know, through the DSM, 
Um, we we know that through, you know, it's evidence-based, so we know that through research over the years, over time, that things change within my field, within this field of psychology. And so, you know, in terms of, you know, gift versus deviance or normal seeing versus deviance, you know, you, you mentioned autism. Um, autism, I also believe, is a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they're, they're great, wonderful, special people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still listed in the DSM because, you know, they're, it's, 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 it's a deviance from, quote, normal. Um, but in terms of personality disorders, in terms of, you know, severe mental illness, um, we absolutely, we absolutely deter, you know, we differentiate between normal and, and deviancy and personality disorders and things like that on the basis of research through the diagnostic criteria that we have. Interesting. Interesting. You know, with the advent of neural imaging technologies and electrophysiological advances, there are certain areas of the brain associated with criminality, perversion, and addiction. Do you believe that there is a biological basis for crime, especially in the area of sex crimes? Oh, absolutely. There's absolutely a biological basis for crime. Um, We know through, again, evidence and and research that there are different areas of the brain, for example, well, in, in, all, in all major mental illnesses, there's a biological aspect and a neurological aspect. Um, for personality disorders, we know that antisocial personality, there's a, there's a biological component. Um, for sex crimes, absolutely, um, we know and we're continuing to know, um, and it's continuing to change through more and more research, that there is absolutely, there are brain differences, there are chemical differences, there are neurological differences that, that certainly play a role in, in um, those who commit sex crimes and those who are mentally ill and, and are, you know, involved in the justice system mm-hmm. in general. Definitely. So do you believe the current system regarding sex trafficking is sufficient? Is it that the laws are good, but they're not being enforced? Or do the laws need to become more draconian to the act of preventative measure? Um, well, with regard to sex trafficking, I know that we've had, you know, some changes in the laws, you know, fairly recently. Um, and as far as, you know, them being draconian, I know that there are, you know, there, there are three kind of major players, you know, within, within the realm of trafficking. Um, and the laws are pretty severe um, with, you know, with one of the three um, of those players. Um, I know that Summer, Summer Stephan was talking about the, the buyers, you know, the ones that um, are the ones that, you know, are the who victimize or re-victimize mm-hmm. even further, the, 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 third, the third party. Um, I don't think draconian laws are are the way to go necessarily. I think that it's it's bigger than that. There's a there's a systemic issue that's going on, um, particularly with the victims in, in these in these crimes. And you know, Summer's correct that there are major vulnerabilities, there are major issues um, that these victims face. And I think that we're not paying enough attention to what is what these vulnerabilities are in prevention and preventing these mm-hmm. victims from becoming, you know, becoming involved in, in the system to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, she mentioned, for example, um, she mentioned the vulnerabilities that are obvious, but then she also mentioned, you know, school related vulnerabilities, um, things like learning disorders, things like that, that, you know, we don't often think of in, in, you know, as, as being vulnerabilities, you know, in, in the first, you know, the first way that we think about it, but that also are very, very, you know, important that cause kids to run away, that cause problems for these kids. These kids become involved in the system because of that. And those, those types of vulnerabilities are what I think are falling through the cracks within the system. Mm -hmm. So we need to have a more focus on the system. Okay, so do you believe that the three parties involved in sex trafficking can be rehabilitated? And which ones do you think would be the easiest to rehabilitate? A, the sex trafficked victim, B, the sex trafficker, the pimp, or C, the sex trafficked consumer, you know, the John, the guy that's buying? That's a difficult question to answer. I think, again, though, it is a, it's a systemic issue for all three. Um, those, the victims, obviously, you know, 
they're they're traumatized yeah. and, and one of my other specialty areas is trauma so I, I know firsthand that trauma is, is something that is a difficult area, a difficult thing to address, but mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed. And I think that, you know, punitive measures towards the victims, um, you know, they, they've, their kids, when they get involved and then they become adults and prosecuting, you know, the victims at, at, at any point in time is just a form of re-traumatization. And so that makes it much more difficult to rehabilitate. I think the system in general is not focused too much on rehabilitation. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the, your question is a difficult one to answer. If we, if we had a system that's focused on rehabilitation, I think that all three could be rehabilitated. Usually the anyone who's involved in these types of crimes, whether it be the buyer, whether it be the pimp, whether it be the victim, um, they're there for a reason and there's, there's damage among all three of them. And I think systemically we need to be focusing on, on a shift from punitive to rehabilitative. Yeah. From, yeah. From rehabilitative or from punitive to rehabilitative. Good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you believe that the current sex obsessed culture is to blame for the rise in sex trafficking? Sex obsessed culture, for yes. sure, um, <laughs> for sure in America, um, for sure in America. I think that America, we have, um, you know, we have a different view. Um, I always joke that um, if I were like in Europe or, you know, in another area of, of the, the world, I probably wouldn't have a job. <laughs> and the same way, the same way that I do here, because um, we are, you know, we are. And, and I think sex is, you know, it's a, it's, it's a. It's a taboo topic, but a fun topic. And, you know, there's all these elements about sex that I think that we don't know what to do with. We're not we're not prepared for. Mm-hmm. And I think that because there is that that, that obsession with it um, due to all of those those things, we 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 make it more complex. We, we sort of, um, don't, don't do anyone a favor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think education and, 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 you know, learning to, learning to relax, learning to, um, view sex in a different, in a different, through a different lens is, is, um, going to, mm-hmm. going to, you know, be very, very beneficial in terms of how we how we approach these types of cases in the future. I agree. We have a couple um, or a few moments left. Um, what can we do to prevent sex trafficking? Um, again, it's a it's a systemic thing. Um, mm-hmm. We we need to we need to be looking not so much at punishing you know who a punishment, but prevention. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to make sure that these victims we need to make sure that the whole the whole reason the whole system the whole um ideology behind how this is set up and how this works doesn't work anymore right um so through a systemic it's 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 systemic change i I keep mentioning that but Mm -hmm. i you know we're talking you know this this whole we're in this we're in this you know world right now and and especially here in america where you know systemic change is kind of in the spotlight Mm -hmm. And um, I, I believe that that's not an incorrect, necessarily an incorrect um, viewpoint or an incorrect approach, because the whole idea behind prevention or the whole idea, yeah, the whole idea behind prevention is exactly that. We need to focus on what we need to do mm-hmm. for all the parties involved wow. but, to, well, to keep them out. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thank you so Definitely. much for your wisdom, Dr. Firma. Thank, Thank you, you Dr. Firma. Yes. Stay tuned for Dear Diary. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You, you too. too. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Pamela and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Pamela Ramos. Hands down, we have to trust in God's plan. That was American contemporary Christian music singer and songwriter Lauren Diago with her song, Trust in You. You're listening to Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. You know, the first time I heard that song was a couple years ago while I was driving in my car. I was 
I was taking down the remainder of my school board election signs that were still up. You know, it was rainy, gloomy, about three weeks after the November um, 2018 election. I'm surprised the signs were still up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they only removed them before an election, not after. Good point. (laughs) But anyway, the song just made me think, what made me jump into something I had no experience in? You know, coming from a different background like nursing, especially since I never liked politics. And I mean, never. To me, politicians were all liars, right? Um, You know, for the record, I now realize that there are a couple good ones out there, like Senator Joel Anderson, who is now running for San Diego supervisor. You know, I, I also believe that 100%, if I didn't take that step, we, and I, and I mean us, family and friends, wouldn't be here right now speaking our minds, speaking our truth. You know, it's funny, several weeks ago, I was at the grocery store and someone asked me, didn't you run for office? You know, I was surprised he recognized me because I was mass. And so I said, yes. And he said, well, how'd you do? And I answered, I didn't want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't survive the primary. And, it, and um, I was surprised by his response. He said, well, I hope you run again. We need more real people in office. So does that mean you're running again? I mean, maybe when they stop cheating. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I don't know for sure what's written for me. All I know is that I want to keep fighting the good fight in whatever it is I do. Since I ran for school board, I'm more involved in the pro-life community. I started my foundation for no option patients, and and I I ran for Congress. You know, I'm not afraid to stand up for the shared values that make this country great. And I believe that the fight is worth fighting no matter what stage you're on. You know, I think now is definitely a time to have courage, Ghani said. Um, It's easy to stand with a crowd. It takes courage to stand alone. I couldn't agree more. Definitely. You know, and with that, we're ready to wind down. Um, so go ahead and grab yourselves a glass of warm milk or a hottie toddy as usual. Our Dear Diary portion of this segment is coming up. But before that, I want to know, is there anything in your life that you were unsure of but just trusted God with? You know, I guess I'll start. So when I got pregnant with Mason, my oldest son, I was young and I was not in a good relationship and mm-hmm. my family wanted me to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about this before, family, and they wanted to pay for it and they were going to all supporting it. Nobody wanted me to have the baby. I hit my knees and I prayed harder to God than I have ever, ever prayed before. Right. And, uh, you know, I knew that I had to keep him and I didn't mm-hmm. go through with the abortion. I got cut off financially <clears throat> and it was the best, the best decision I've ever made. Mm-hmm. And I think God, I, there's no way I would have been able to do it if I had not trusted in God. Right. It's a blessing. Yeah. One thing for me is I remember moving to California about 10 years ago and not having any real family out here at the time and just putting my faith in God and just taking that step and that leap of faith and coming out here and it was a good choice. And now look at you. I know. Got a bunch of friends. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right, so now let's get to Dear Diary. Dear Diary, about two years ago, I attended a fundraiser for the Children of the Immaculate Heart, um, a nonprofit corporation operating in San Diego. Their mission is to serve survivors of human trafficking and open the door to their restoration in Jesus Christ. In addition, they offer housing and rehab programs for survivors of trafficking. Now, I remember that night well. The speakers were either part of the organization itself or victims of sex trafficking that they helped. They all shared amazing stories, heartfelt and heartrending. Though some of the speakers had heartbreaking experiences, the children of the Immaculate Heart became their light and I was thrilled to support their cause. One speaker's testimony caught my attention. She had pink hair and stood tall, but as she spoke, her voice would crack from the emotional distress she experienced during her life as a trafficked woman. She was beaten, threatened and forced into sex acts for money by her pimp. Soon her expression changed and tears fell at the the mention of her five children. She was fearful her, her captor would start using her children, and it was then she developed the courage to get out of the life she felt she was trapped in. Her story, though typical, has a better ending. Not many are able to survive this crime against their humanity, and it makes me think about the victims that are coerced into this type of slavery, especially the children. I am repulsed that innocent children are being forced in, and exploited into a life of sexual mm-hmm. slavery. And what causes these deviant behaviors? So let's take a look at porn. It's a scientific fact that excessive pornography leads to addiction and leads to rewiring of the brain. Studies using functional MRIs, which evaluate the blood flow in our brains, reveal that specific parts of the brain undergo alterations in people that watch in excess of one hour a day. These changes are similar to the changes that the brain undergoes when people become addicted to drugs or alcohol. Scientific studies show that porn addiction also causes people to have an increased stimulation threshold, meaning that after hours of pornography, the people are no longer satisfied with regular sex. This is one of the reasons why pornography has been caused, um, has caused marital dysfunction and even reduction in sex within the marriage. People get bored with having sex with their spouse, then they want sex with other women and then, and then men. Eventually, the perversion and deterioration of the mind gets so bad that it suggests having sex with kids. The Bible tells us that children are pure. Not only does the Bible tell us this, cognitive neuroscience tells us that children have a type of brain wave which predisposes to learning and enjoying life. Children lose this as they age, 
but even older people still get glimpses of these brain waves when they're praying, meditating, or dreaming. But usually the innocence is lost. The Bible also says you must become like children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus also warns us that um, people should not pervert children. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned into the depths of the sea. There's a war going on for our children. Our children are being groomed into becoming sexual slaves. They're being taught deviant behaviors during drag queen story hour. They're being taught how to masturbate in grade school and and that it's okay to be gender neutral. For a moment, please indulge my conspiracy theories. I believe that the power elite is indoctrinating people into becoming sexualized monsters early in life. Instead of teaching science and the wonders of life, they teach perversions and sexual obsessions, making it normal to be abnormal. But the problem becomes compounded. The rich usually want what they don't have and they love their secrecy. When their minds become depraved, they end up desiring children in ways that are wicked and moral. This is pure evil, but we see it happening now, right in front of us. And it happens for two reasons. First, for sociological, and the second, more devious. The top echelons of society provide children so that they can eventually blackmail the lost souls who buy them. Do you really think that George Soros and his people have sexual obsessions? They don't. Really evil people keep their minds sharp and focused, focused on accumulating wealth, on achieving the ruin of countries, on advancing their own evil and wicked agendas. People like Soros instill obsessions on people like Katy Perry, other celebrities, and wealthy individuals. By making these people do certain evils, the power elite ends up controlling them. And we see this again and again, even at the orphanages in Ireland where British MPs would steal kids and rape them to the scandals in Washington, to the dinners in Hollywood. The power elite corrupts people wanting to ascend sociologically and then use certain indiscretions against them as a means of control. The evil that is sex trafficking has now been brought to our attention and it puzzles me that these monsters continue to get away with it. But then again, look at Prince Andrew, Epstein's BFF. Any wife who knows how to read the face of a man can tell you that he was outright lying during that BBC documentary. Mm -hmm. And then look at Epstein, who used his power and influence privilege to get out of jail after several months of being sentenced for sex trafficking for the first time. When people say the rich can get away with anything, they can. He himself was indoctrinated by the powers powers to infiltrate the Wall Street mafia and then blackmailed them to do his bidding and the bidding of his masters. He continued using his get out of free card until he became a liability and he continued using his privilege until the powers that be took it away. Bottom line, there is such thing as a power and influence privilege and they control who they want, including politicians. Obviously, we all need to be aware of what's going on in the world and not be afraid to question all that doesn't seem right. True, there are organizations like Children of the Immaculate Heart who pick up the pieces and do their part. Wouldn't it be something if they didn't have to? The corruption in our society runs deep and the problems against humanity are unfathomable. To eradicate this problem, we need to stand together against the demons in the world that seek to destroy it. Humans of all ages are not disposable, especially our children. Mm-hmm. So, do you believe that the devil influences us? I mean, of course he does. I think that's his job, right? That is his, his one job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he leads us astray or attempts to lead us astray. And like we heard earlier from our guests, you know, if we choose to ignore those things, then we can really be taken down some, you know, the devil Mm -hmm. wants us to do bad things. He does. Absolutely. The devil does influence us. A lot of it has to do with our environment, though. Most of us, the way we're, the environment that we grew up in and what we've Mm -hmm. seen is what influences a lot of the behavior. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good point. The devil is a deceiver and we need to be strong in our faith and, and not listen to his deceptions. And with that, I really want to say a quick prayer right now. People forget that the God of Christians, Muslims, and Jews is the same God who burned down and annihilated the evil cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I feel that the same devil who incited the people of these cities to forsake God and embrace the idols of sexual deviance and perversion is acting today through his instruments. These instruments are teaching drag queen story hour. These instruments are encouraging teenagers to experiment in homosexuality. And these instruments are trying to normalize the dissolution of the nuclear family. The Bible teaches us that God would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah if there were a few righteous people still left. The only way to prevent a global Sodom and Gomorrah is the grace of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray to Thee to bring about Your righteous punishments on those who continually seek to corrupt and lead astray those of feeble minds. Convert and give courage to those who stand by and do nothing to help victims of these demon-obsessed villains. God, we beseech thee to open the eyes of the wealthy, of the politicians and the judges. Grant them your wisdom to tell them right from wrong and to understand the consequences of their evil doings. No mercy mercy should be granted for their malfeasance. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Okay, so now I want to go back to Katy Perry, who was probably influenced by the devil. Is it true that Katy Perry relies on satanic influences for her music, or is it just her artistic expression? I'm going to have to go with both. You know, she <laughs> she was a Christian music artist before she sold her soul to the devil. I mean, her first hit was I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It. Yep. I mean, there was a theme of homosexuality that's presented in a catchy brainwashing beat. Then in her music video, she's praying to the Moloch and engaging in sex relations with an alien, which Tim Dixon pointed out on our last show could really be demons. A lot of symbolism in her work that coincides with the art of praying to the devil. I forgot she was a Christian music artist to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Don't you think these celebrities are involved in a lot of scandals we don't hear about? I heard they torture children and use their blood to regenerate their skin. Oh, I know. It's really disgusting, demonic, and evil. Mm. I mean, I know there's a lot happening that we don't know about. Most are hidden because people get paid off. And like you said in your diary, thrown away when there's no, when there's no more use for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at George Michael and Kevin Spacey thrown under the bus. Yeah, they, yeah, they were. I mean, how do we protect our children? You know, it's it's all about um, awareness and communication. And, you know, now that we know that these evils exist and they exist on a much higher level, we can now question everything so that the ha- House of Cards can, can begin to topple. I mean, isn't it ironic that the main character of House of Cards was Kevin Spacey? Ooh, good one. So what do you guys think? Will just Lane Maxwell live to testify and, and will justice finally be served? You know, what do you think? She's probably going to end up dead. <laughs> she's she's going to suicide. <laughs> suicide or corona? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. She's not going to last very long. Oh. It's too risky. They can't. They can't keep her around. Yeah. Well, you know what? I was thinking maybe they should just have her testimony like now. Like Before why she. Can't, <laughs> why can't she give her testimony in her cell or, you know, why do they have to wait for a day? See, I'm telling you. These politicians and judges mm-hmm. are probably influenced. They know right? exactly Absolutely. what they're doing. Yeah, they know. Yeah. And, and and we need we need her to hear her the story so that these people can and can finally, you know, be brought to justice. Give her a diary so she can start writing it out <laughs> while she's stuck in her cell. Dear diary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she Definitely. has tapes. You know she, she has tapes. Okay, right? so there we go. Yeah. But and then she's waiting to release the tapes? No, she's waiting to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna call it uh, coronavirus. There you go. Okay. <laughs> what do you what I'll do you put, think? I'll put five dollars on corona and I'll put ten on suicide. Well I got five on it. <laughs> 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 what, about, what about you, Wallace? I put 10 on Corona. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Producer Todd? Well, I'm thinking she'll be mysteriously choked again, like uh, Epstein. Yep. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, that about does it for tonight. If you're offended by today's show, you're probably one of the power elite or a pedophile. God have mercy on your soul. This is Pamela Ramos signing out. Good night and God bless. And we're dedicating this show to Tenny. We love you. Yes, we love you yes, and we, we miss you. We love your mom. you very much. Peace. Thank you for joining us for the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear on Family and Friends. To learn more about Family Ramos, how to be a guest or sponsor on the show, visit familyandfriends.com. Tune in at this same time every week for more Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego.